Well, good morning. It's good to see you again. If you will take your Bible and turn to Luke, the first chapter, as we launch into a Christmas message this morning. I've entitled what I want to share with you this morning, Our God Who Overcomes Your Tears and Your Fears. What a great joy it has been to worship with you this morning. So thankful for Jason and the way he leads us. It was fun to have a choir up here this morning and allow them to sing with us, seeing all those beautiful faces and those wonderful voices. Uh, Jason is exhausted. I'm sure he led uh, last night at NAC Night of Worship, which was a wonderful uh, situation, wonderful worship service at the Nacogdoches High School, and uh, they did an amazing job. Uh, so many of our uh, uh, worshipers who lead us, uh, who play for us, uh, were there also, and uh, they just did an amazing job, and I'm very thankful for them. If you have your Bible and you are in Luke, the first chapter, we're going to look at Mary's situation. Uh, Mary was told about the birth of Jesus. And you'll see this in Luke, the first chapter, the 26th verse. And we're going to kind of look differently maybe than you've looked at a Christmas time uh, sermon or heard a Christmas time sermon. Most of the time it'll be about the birth of Jesus or how exciting that was, which is all true, wonderful things. But I want to look at the fear and the tears that Mary shed uh, over uh, the news that was given to her and, and how that impacts uh, you and me and what we can learn from it. Uh, Mary uh, was just going about her normal routine. Uh, most scholars believe that Mary was probably about 15 years old uh, when she discovered uh, that she was about to give birth to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I can't imagine, although we all understand uh, that at 15, back 2,000 years ago, life was very much different than it is now, uh, it still would have been such an incredible circumstance for her to have been told this. Uh, scholars differ on what they think the age of Joseph probably was. Most people would guess in his early 20s, uh, not unusual at all for a man uh, to be much older than his wife and for a man who has launched into a profession and is uh, making money now and has a career established then to pick or choose a, a younger wife. So you, you've kind of gotten the understanding, although we don't know exactly, there's no uh, biblical uh, structure for us to know exactly their ages, but we know for uh, some kind of uh, certainty and some kind of certainty that probably around 15 to 16 for Mary, 23, 24 for Joseph, somewhere in that ballpark. Enough for you and I to know how troubling uh, a time this must have been. And what I want to share with you this morning is uh, the lessons that Mary teaches us about how you and I can overcome uh, fear in our life and even the tears uh, that will come our way. And you'll see that in just a moment when I share with you about Mary at the, uh, at the crucifixion of her son. Um, Mary doesn't cry here. Uh, there's no indication that any tears are shed when she's told that she's about to give birth or that she's about to become pregnant. Uh, with the Lord. Uh, there's a lot of fear, and it's shown, and, and rightfully so, a, an angel appeared to her 
you and I would probably shake in our boots too if that happened. Uh, but there's no tears that are shed here. But there is a time in her life where tears will be shed. And we'll look at that in just a moment. Will you look with me at Luke, that first chapter in that 26th verse? It says, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And then it says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. That word troubled uh, has a kind of a double connotation. There's the understanding that she's worried about her circumstance. Uh, she understands that she's never been with a man before, and she understands also that an angel is appearing to her and sharing with her news that is overwhelming. So that word trouble is exactly what you and I might use in that same circumstance, although we would probably pick some kind of a describing word that was much more had much more emphasis to it than troubled. Troubled sounds kind of light to me. I, I think I might use the word scared out of my pants, uh, you know, uh, overcome, overwhelmed, uh, just some kind of a dramatic term. Uh, but the scripture here chooses that word troubled. I think part of the reason the scripture chooses this word troubled here is because not only does it mean that she's worried, but it also means that she's very afraid uh, because she understands the circumstances. It has that double uh, meaning to it. When, when you dig down into the root of it, not only does it mean she's worried, but it means that she's afraid uh, because of everything uh, that's about to happen to her. And so it says, but the angel said to her, and see, the angel perceives the fear, perceives the trouble, perceives the worry. And the angel says to her, this is Gabriel, and he says, do not be afraid, Mary, because you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Hallelujah. In verse 34, it says this, How will this be, Mary asked. So here comes the fear and the trouble and the worry being verbalized back to Gabriel. And she says, how will this be since I am a virgin? Now, what, what's coming out of Mary's mouth is the understanding that this does not make sense. Um, if you back up, let, let me back you up and show you something else and, and give you an explanation of, of somebody who's a, been approached differently by an angel. Uh, if, if you back up in the, in the chapter 1, you, you'll see the story about Mary's cousin, Elizabeth, getting ready to have John. And, and Zechariah, her husband, begins to question the angel too. And the angels appeared to them at, at their advanced age saying, guess what, you're, you're about to give birth uh, to somebody who will announce uh, the coming king. And when you give birth to him, you will name him John. 
And at their age, uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth go, how can this be? And Zechariah begins to question the angel. And look at verse 18. He says, Zechariah asks the angel this, how can I be sure of this? I am an old, old man and my wife is well along in years. Do you see the difference in the questioning that's kind of going on here? Zechariah is questioning that th there's no way that this can happen because he, he doesn't think that God is able. Uh, Mary is questioning more her circumstance. Well, this is my circumstance. Can this really happen in, in my circumstance? And Zechariah is questioning more the ability of God to do something. But look what happens in, in verse 19 to Zechariah. The angel answered, well, I'm Gabriel. And, and Gabriel's a big dude. He's, he's, a, he's a, the angel of the angels. He's the one that is always proclaiming. And listen to what he says. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Now, I'm in verse 19 of chapter 1. I backed up in case you've lost me. Verse 20, he says, and now you will be silent. And you're not going to be able to speak until this day happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at that proper time. And if you go on to read that story, uh, Zechariah's mouth was shut until the day that his son became born. Because then they were going to name, and some of the people were questioning the name. They were saying, what shall we name him? And Elizabeth says, well, I think we're going to name him John. And some of the other people said, well, you sure you should name him that because there's some other options that you have available to you. And Zechariah opens his mouth and says, his name shall be John. And that's how John got his name. But that's how Zechariah got his mouth shut for nine months too, questioning the ability of Gabriel and the ability, more importantly, of God. Now, go back to verse 34. You see... Mary, she's questioning Gabriel too, but she's questioning about her circumstance. She says, how, how can this be? How will this be? I, I'm a virgin. And look at what the angel answered this time. He said, the Holy Spirit, this is Gabriel speaking, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren in her sixth month for nothing. One of my favorite passages. One of my favorite words. One of my favorite verses in all of scripture. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. Let me share with you just a few things real briefly about what must have been happening here in Mary's life. Uh, this doesn't even include Joseph. Joseph has, has uh, understood this and Joseph has been talked to too. But this is just Mary in her circumstance. I'm sure Joseph had his fears and his doubts and uh, oh, his struggles. There, there's no doubt about it. But I love this understanding of Mary. Because Mary is just going about her normal routine. Uh, she's a 15-year-old doing what normal 15-year-olds did back in biblical days. And, and then all of a sudden, God interrupts her life and changes it forever. I began to, to think about this when I was preparing for this morning. And, and I, I, I thought about how I deal with interruptions. 
And I, I started to think about how interruptions are bothersome to me. Uh, when, when I'm watching a, a sporting event, I don't like people bothering me. I, I just want to watch it, and I, I, I kind of want to analyze it myself. I, I want to look at it, and when Laura will turn to me and ask me a question, I'll go, haven't you been watching this game? Don't you know what's going on? Uh, do I have to go back and explain everything to you? And she'll just look at me and go, never mind. You know, and I, and I, I get that. And I, I think about sometimes how when we get interrupted, we struggle with the fact that we don't want to be bothered. And I think back to 2,000 years ago, what if Gabriel had interrupted Mary and she didn't want to be bothered? What a change in everything for you and for me. And yet, she chose to let the interruption happen. I love what Henry Blackaby, one of the uh, great Baptist leaders from years past, and he, he wrote a book that probably, especially if you're my age, you probably went through because it was real popular about 15 to 20 years ago. But he, he wrote a book called Experiencing God. And uh, there was a workbook that went along with it. And the, the premise of Henry Blackaby's Experiencing God was uh, you don't have to go out and hunt and look for some place to serve God. God's already in the business of doing things all over the world. Why don't you just go find out where he's doing stuff and, and get involved with it? Uh, God's God. We don't have to make up stuff to do for God. All we have to find out is where is he at work and how can I be involved? That's uh, one of the great things about Glory Gang. One of the things that I, I, I love a lot about how that all came about uh, and the story is way too long to tell, but we have, we have a ministry that a, a, a local group does here to children who are struggling. And, and so um, there's a man named Richard Condorla who lives in our community, and he reaches out. He, he actually gets volunteers to drive buses, pick these children up, bring them to a, a, a place called Glory Gang on Sunday nights, and then they feed them and, and they share the love of God with them and they sing with them. Uh, on any given night, there will be 350 to 400 children there. So uh, understanding that, understand the conversation that I had one time, uh, a, a conversation when I was at uh, First Baptist on staff there. And uh, we had begun to get involved with, with the Glory Gang and help them. And uh, I had somebody come up to me and said, so explain to me about Glory Gang. So I went through the explanation with him. And he said, if I give a lot of money, can we do that here at our church and do what they're doing here at our church? Because I think we can do it better at our church. And I said, you know, I don't know that that's what we need to do. That doesn't make sense to me because I don't know that we can do it any better here than they're doing it there. And besides that, they're doing it so well there. Why can't we just go get involved with what they're doing there and help them do what they're doing there? And to this day, that's still what we do here. We go help them there because they are doing it well and God is working there. And tonight, uh, all the children who have come and been faithful to come will receive Christmas presents because you've been faithful and we've been faithful and more importantly, God's been faithful. 
And so tonight will be a big celebration there. And guess what we get to do? We get to feed them. We get to be a part of feeding them. In fact, at the end of the service, I'll make a plea for you to go sign up and go help Clint and Anna help prepare the meal and feed them. And if you go, you will see about 350 kids get all kinds of wonderful presents. But more importantly than that, you'll get to see them hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and the story about his birth. And it's all because somebody got interrupted. Richard Condorla got interrupted one day, and he decided to follow after God. The question is, just like Henry Blackaby stated, that's kind of how I got off on that tangent. So listen to this quote. When you become a believer, you gave God the right to interrupt you. That's what Henry Blackaby said. And I could not stress that any more to you this morning. When you became a believer, when you decided to walk with Jesus Christ, you gave God the right to interrupt you. That's exactly what happened to Mary here. Now, here's a couple of other things I want to point out, and then I promise I'll launch into a, a couple of points and we'll be done. Did the words of Gabriel that Gabriel spoke at that moment, did, did they apply only for that moment or did they apply for a lifetime? Have you, have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about how the words in Scripture, how we'll go grab them sometimes when we think we desperately need them? Uh, you, most of you know that my favorite passage that I love to share with people, I, I write it on almost every note that I send to people, but I, I write down Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans not to harm you, but plans to give you a hope and a future. Well, do, do those words only apply when, when I write them to you or, or when you read them in the scripture? Or do they apply to you because you walk in faith? And do they apply to you over your lifetime? See, that's, that's the issue that I really struggle with, and I, I think we all do. For You see, right here, Mary was interrupted by Gabriel, and Gabriel gave her the word of the Lord and said, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. Well, those words applied to Mary, but they also apply to you and to me. When you come to faith in Christ, you have found favor with God. And it's not just for a moment, it's for a lifetime. Uh, from the moment your sins have been forgiven, from the moment you recognize that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, and you make the appeal to God that you want to walk with Him in forgiveness of sins, you have found favor with God, and it applies for your lifetime. You are covered from that moment to the moment He calls you home. That's a lifetime commitment that God's making to you. Think about 2 Corinthians 5.17. For behold, you are a new creation. Well, if you are a new creation created in Christ Jesus, does that apply just to the moment you accept him or does it apply to your lifetime? It applies to your lifetime. Look at every scripture that encourages you, uh, that gives you strength. Um, I, I can supply all your needs according to his power. In Christ Jesus. Was that just when you need it? Is it just for that moment? Just for that instant? Or is it for your lifetime? Well, I'm here to tell you that the good news and the understanding of what Scripture teaches us is that applies for your lifetime. Uh, God can supply all your needs today. 
But God can supply all your needs tomorrow. And God will supply all your needs next week and next month and next year. He is the author of supplying all your needs. And he'll do it forever and ever. Listen, there, there's something you need to decide and, and, and work through. All of us probably. All of us have some kind of fear uh, that, that we struggle with. Uh, fear is, is a part of who we are. I get that. I, I know it's kind of built into our DNA. You know, the question becomes, is there fear in your marriage? Are you fearful of your health? Is there fear in your family, fear in your job, fear in your future? Somewhere you're probably dealing with fear right now, just like Mary was dealing with fear. And the question becomes, whatever your fears, you need to be reminded, just like Mary was reminded, that there's a God who brings you comfort and peace. That same God that sent down Gabriel to appear to Mary and, and the fear that overcame her and, and, and worried her, caused her to be troubled, that same fear was overcome by her faith in God. And, and the fear that you're struggling with this morning, whatever it is, can be overcome by your faith in God too and by how you choose to walk with God. Let me share with you three things, three points really briefly that I, I think are some lessons that uh, Jesus wants us to learn from looking at the life of his mother. Um, as we do that, I, I, I told uh, Gary uh, Davis the other day, I, uh, Just this is just kind of almost a complete side note, but I, it's something that I, I just want to put in your head and think about uh, and w do some research on. But, you know, times have advanced so much now, and I, and I started thinking about, you know what one of the most popular gifts is this year? It's uh, the DNA testing, the ancestry testing. Uh, they, I, I was reading and doing some research, and uh, last year just about uh, three or four million were done, but this year they're expecting about 14 million uh, people to take uh, an ancestry test to see where they came from, the, the DNA to see what they're doing. And I started thinking about what if they had done an ancestry test on Jesus or a DNA test on Jesus? He's born of a virgin. You know, I don't, I don't know. I, I really don't know the answer to it. It's just Something that as I started thinking about and looking at, I started thinking, this is really, you know, they didn't have it then, obviously, but we have it now where we can trace your DNA and you can tell who your parents and grandparents are. It would be incredible to, to do that with the Lord, but I wonder what the answers would be and if there would be a DNA marker for God. I don't know. It's, it's crazy weird stuff. I'm going to ask somebody who's way smarter than me one day to figure that out. So that's your homework for next week. You must come back with the answer to what is Jesus' DNA show. Let's, let's look at three things real briefly that we can learn from looking at Mary, the mother of Jesus. First is this. Fear is normal and it's natural. But we don't have to stay or we don't have to live in fear Listen, you, you can't let fear paralyze you from living for God. Some people live in fear all the time. 
I, I read the story uh, about um, a little boy who was fearful and uh, didn't like going into dark places. And his mom said, I need you to go into the pantry and get me some tomato soup for the recipe I'm making. And, and uh, the little boy said, I don't want to go in the pantry. I don't like going in the pantry. And she said, now you can go in there. It's all right. Jesus will be with you. And he looked at his mom and said, then Jesus is in the pantry? And she said, yes, Jesus is with you everywhere. So the little boy walked over to the pantry and said, hey, Jesus, can you hand me the tomato soup? <laughs> Listen, <laughs> that's, that's kind of how we live sometimes. You know, if Jesus is over in Africa, let Jesus take care of everybody that's over in Africa, all right? Can we just pray to the missionaries and they can take care of it? Well, sure, the, the missionaries can take care of it, but God wants you to do some of that stuff too. And he's got some of that stuff. And he may just want to interrupt your life and say, hey, when's the last time you did this? Or when's the last time you did that? You know, it's been my plea from the very beginning that all of you would get a passport. And the reason that I want you to have a passport is because God may interrupt you one day and say, hey, you were, you were thinking about doing this, but guess what? I, I want you to do this. In, in just a few minutes at the end of the service, we're going to uh, show a, a Lottie Moon video. And the video will revolve around a hospital in Tanzania called Kigoma Baptist Hospital that's in the western part of Tanzania. Now, I've been to Tanzania. Laura and I have both been there, but we've never been to this Kigoma Baptist Hospital. But I've, I've talked to people who worked at that hospital. In fact, I talked to the doctor who was there. Laura and I became friends with the doctor who was there before this doctor that you're about to see the video about in a few minutes was there. But when you listen to this doctor's testimony, uh, listen to how his life was interrupted. That's, that's what he'll tell you. He was, a, he was a flight surgeon for NASA, for the astronauts. And he says that he was sitting in his living room one day and God just interrupted him and said, I know you're doing what you'd always dreamed of doing, but this is what I want you to do with your skills and your abilities. And he didn't know how to answer. It, it was almost like Gabriel appeared to him, and he didn't know how to answer. And then he finally said, I've got to do what God has called me to do. And I love, you'll, you'll see his wife. He said that he went in to tell his wife, hey, I just got interrupted and God has called me to become a doctor to the mission field. And his wife's response was, I've been waiting. I've been waiting for you to hear God. And I'm ready to go. You see, you can't let your fear paralyze you from living for God. You can't let fear stop you from serving God. You can't let fear stop you from worshiping God. You probably don't know this, maybe you do, uh, but we got word, and not just we, because it's going to make it sound like it's just us here at Holly Springs, but uh, we were contacted, every church in East Texas was contacted because there's kind of a bizarre threat against all churches in East Texas right now. Uh, that somebody wants to do harm to us. Uh, it's, a, 
it's an unknown threat. They, they don't know much about it. They don't know whether they can even trust it or not. They weren't even going to tell us, but word got out, and so the, the federal government officials basically sent word out to as many people as they could in East Texas. It's a direct East Texas church threat uh, that somebody wanted to do harm to us. Now, the good news is we have a safety team that's kind of out there, and they're kind of keeping an eye out for us. If you pulled in early this morning, you may have seen a sheriff's car sitting out there. And that wasn't because we called them and asked them to do it, but they're doing that at all the churches this morning and probably will for a while. Now, here, here's the deal. I, I certainly don't tell you that to alarm you. I, I certainly tell you that because I want to make you aware of what we know, and I don't think it's fair for me to keep that a big secret from you. But the most important thing I want you to hear me say is nobody, nowhere will stop me and I hope will stop you from worshiping God. You can't scare me out of it. Certainly I might have a little bit of fear and certainly it makes me nervous for our churches and for our people who are called to worship. But... On this day, I proclaim to you that I love God and I will worship him in spirit and truth and nobody will stop me from doing that. Listen, there is no doubt, you know, I, I told you with great joy uh, a, a month or two ago that Laura and I found out we were going to be grandparents in March. And most of you who are my age who have children and who are having grandchildren and those of you who will have great-grandchildren soon in the future, I, I don't have to be a prophet to tell you because you understand this, that the day is coming when it will become more and more difficult to worship God. Uh, the day is coming when we will be scorned for what we believe and what we teach, and what we preach. And the day is coming when there will be a division, and you will have to choose who you will serve, just like Joshua says. It's the, the stone that's in front of my house that I had inscripted for the last two homes that we've lived in. Laura and I just proclaimed that we would do this everywhere we move and everywhere we live. But the scripture says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And you have to make that choice. Our grandkids are going to have to make that choice. You don't have any idea, and I don't understand either, with complete understanding what people are going through in all different various parts of the world. But I'm telling you right now that we have it easy compared to what a lot of people have to go through to worship. But the day is coming when it will change here also. Second thing that Mary can teach us is that no matter who you are, God can use you. I love this. And I hope that every one of you hear me when I say this. Listen, Mary was unmarried, she was pregnant, and she was a virgin and had never been with a man. She was a woman of humble status. She was probably just about 15 years old. And despite all this and every other shortcoming that Mary had in her life, do you know what she said to God? She said, yes. 
She said yes to God. Understanding that, then my question has to be to me and to you, what's keeping you from saying yes to God? Oh man, I, I could list a million things of why I've said no to God in the past. I wasn't smart enough, I wasn't rich enough, wasn't famous enough, wasn't handsome enough. There, there's, there's a million things that I can list. You know, I'm not a good communicator. I don't know the word enough. My health is not that good. You know, what's your excuse? Trust me, I, I've heard them all and I know them all and I've put some of them myself into practice. I completely get the excuses. But the question that we all have to ask ourselves when we look in the mirror is what excuse is acceptable to God? And most of the time, in fact, all the time, you will find that there is no excuse that's acceptable to God. Whatever he's calling you to do, whatever he's interrupting your life with right now, trust me, you can say yes because he's God. And whatever he's called you to do, you can do it because he's God. The very last thing I want, I want to share with you is about how important it is that we learn from Mary about how to carry your faith to the very conclusion. Will you do me a favor? Will you turn over to the book of John and will you look at the 19th chapter? John, the 19th chapter. Remember, I, I, I kind of preface this understanding of how God helps us to overcome our fears and our tears. And I shared with you that, that Mary wasn't struggling, I don't think too much, with tears when she, it was announced to her that she was about to give birth to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But there came a time, and those of us who are familiar with our faith know about this time when Mary's son Jesus was going to be crucified. And when you look at chapter 19 and when you look at verse 25 through 27, you'll see another picture of Mary. In fact, it, it says this, near the cross, this is chapter 19, verse 25, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, the disciple took her into his home. Now, what I want you to get here is the understanding that this is Mary, the mother of Jesus, looking at her son who's about to die for the sins of the world. And we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that she was probably wailing. She was probably brokenhearted. What mother wouldn't be in tears over seeing her son brutally murdered on a cross? Even though she knew 
without a doubt she knew that he was taking on the sins of the world. But what I want you to see here is that the tears at the cross aren't the conclusion. You see, Mary stayed faithful to the conclusion of her life. Jesus died there, Mary didn't. And Mary stayed faithful until the conclusion of her life. And if you look here too, it shows how Mary was faithful all throughout the life of Jesus. From his birth until his death and then even after. Because Jesus asked the disciple who he loved to take care of his mother. And it says from that day forward, that disciple brought Mary into her home and took care of her. Wow. It's, inc it's incredible because what, what you see here is you see that Jesus' last words almost spoken, they weren't the very last words, but he was on the cross and he was being crucified and he only spoke a few words. And one of those sets of words was, take care of my mother. pretty impressive when you think about the fact that Jesus wanted to make sure that the person Mary, his mother Mary, who had walked with him all through his life from birth until death was taken care of. Let me tell you something. That's the same Jesus who wants to take care of you. That's the same Jesus when you are in the midst of fear wants to take care of you. That's the same Jesus that when you are in the midst of sorrow, when tears of sadness are flowing down your cheeks, that's the same Jesus who says, let me take care of you. Let me love you. Boy, I, I love the scripture in, in Philippians, where Paul prays this prayer. Will, will you listen to me? Paul says in Philippians, the first chapter, the verse 3, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the very first day until now. So here's Paul talking to the church at Philippi, and he's talking about how he is so thankful for them for their faithfulness. It's exactly what Jesus was doing on the cross to his mother. He, he was saying, thank you for your faithfulness. And now I want my disciple to take care of you until your life concludes. Paul's doing the same thing here with this church at Philippi. And listen to how he concludes this prayer. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will do it until the day of completion in Christ Jesus. Boy, that is great news for you and for me because what this says is if you have fear, it's okay. If you have tears, it's okay because I began a work in you and I'm going to keep doing that work in you until the day that it's completed. So wherever you find yourself this morning, whether you're in great fear or whether you're shedding tears or whether yeah, your life is a struggle right now, it doesn't matter where you find yourself because the God who came to Mary, 
the God who loved Mary, the God who spoke to Mary in the midst of her fears and later in life in the midst of her tears is the same God that loves you and will watch over you wherever you find yourself this morning. This is how I want to close this morning. I wrote this down because it really applies to all of us. What was coming apart in Mary's life was coming together in God's hands. Have you ever thought about that? When you look at Mary's life, when you look at the circumstances of Mary's life, it looks like it's all falling apart. But the truth is it was all coming together because God was in control, not Mary. So the question has to be for you and for me, what's falling apart in our lives and will we let go of it and let God's hands take over? Whatever it is, let go and let God's hands take control. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's with so much joy that we look at the life of Mary and glean from her life how much she trusted you. In the midst of her fear, how she trusted you. In the midst of her sadness, how she trusted you. God, may we be the kind of people who will trust you in the midst of our fears, in the, in the midst of our sadness, and in the midst of our joy, will we also recognize that you are the author. God, we are so thankful that you have shown us over and over again in Scripture after Scripture that you continue to work in our lives from the moment that we place our trust in you to the moment that you conclude our lives. So God, would you help us to be the kind of people who recognize you as the author and the finisher of our faith. Father, as we move into just a time and a moment where we can reflect on how we have worshipped you this morning, Father, may you open hearts to the calling that would be on their lives. And that's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.